0: My
1: guest today is an amazing keyboardist who's played with a number of bands, he's currently on tour with Black Sabbath, and his own band Headspace has a brand new album out called All The Fear Is Gone, which comes out on February 26th. I'd like to welcome Adam Wakeman.
2: Hello everybody, how are you? I'm good, man. How's your day been? Uh, it's been good, actually. Um, it's been quite a, um, spoke to some nice people, you know, it's always good when people are you know, people want to talk talk to you. I'm always happy to. I'm always happy to, uh, you know, chew the ear off people. I'm sorry about all the changes. It's been a, a bit of a, you know, as always with these with these kind of tools There's uh, the caveat of subject to change with just about everything that happens. So we, you never quite know where we're going to be from one day to the next. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, do you end up uh, sort of sometimes when we interview people and we ask them, "So where are you these days?" They they often say, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, no, no,
2: I know it sounds really—it sounds ridiculous. The worst one is the is the, uh, is to do with the day because every day is, you know, people think, oh, you don't know what day it is because you're just, you know, out of the game the whole time. It's like, well, no, every day is a work day. You're either touring, you're either traveling, or you're playing. It's like a Saturday, Sunday mean nothing. You know, it's every day is a weekday, <laughs> so it is really easy to forget what day it is. I mean, you know, without if I didn't look at my computer now, I wouldn't know whether it's a Saturday or or a Tuesday. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah that's a that's that's a bad problem to have I guess um, well it
2: only really matters when you get home and you realize that you've got to pick the kids up from school and and, and then you, you find out it's a Sunday you know.
1: all <laughs> right so uh you're in LA right now I mean at least you're getting some some good weather and and uh, nice place to hang out for a little bit
2: it is it's been uh, it's been great actually it's uh' I mean, uh, not so great for Aussie, obviously, because he's he's trying to get himself better. But um, yeah, from gov- coming down from Canada, we were in Omaha and um, and then up into uh, into Canada. Great. Uh, it was freezing. It's like minus twenty something. It was so cold. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, coming here for a bit of uh, a bit of sunshine has, has been uh, has been lovely. A very well a very welcome sort of break. I've got to see a few friends of mine as well. Some musician friends of mine are in, are in town working, so get to uh, you know see people that I you know I rarely get to see in England.
1: Yeah, very cool. So you're touring with uh, Black Sabbath, uh, something you've done on occasion, uh, I guess. Um, how long have you been working with those guys and with Ozzy? and, and sort of how did that relationship come about?
2: Well, I've been working. I've been in Ozzy's band for 13 years now. This is my 13th year, uh, and in fact, the first tour that I was doing with Ozzy, I did. I did a couple of shows, I think, with him, and uh, and then a tour came about that was a uh, um, that got changed at the last minute, an Ozfest tour to to Sabbath. So I think that was 2004. I want to say. Um, so that was when it kind of that that first came about. It just kind of, you know, it just kind of. It, I was supposed to be playing for Aussie, and then the next thing it was it was the uh, original Sabbath guys. So that was <laughs> it, it was all uh, it was all good. I learnt one set, and then I uh, had to learn another another set of songs. But it all came about originally through through Sharon. I met Sharon at uh, an Annie Lennox concert. Um, I was touring with Annie over here in two thousand three, and uh, and Sharon was in the audience, and I got chatting to her um, after the show, and I've uh, gotten really well with her, and. Um, and then about six months later, um, she uh, her office um, uh, emailed me. In fact, bizarrely, I don't know how long you've got, but this is quite a bizarre story. She, Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> the, the, office, the office emailed my website, and at the time it went to um, a Hotmail account. The, uh, the email came in and, and went to the junk mail. Right. And I never, I never checked never junk mail It just deletes after however long. And, and for some reason, I checked the junk mail and thirty days previously, so it was about to be deleted there was a message saying please can you call um share you know the assistant on this number um Sharon Osborne's office and I thought oh, I'm going to click on it open the number it's going to be like a you know enlarged <laughs> screen or Viagra right. or something um so uh so I phoned the number and I spoke to some of the office and they said oh Sharon really you know enjoyed meeting you and liked your playing and wondered if you'd be available to um, to tour with Aussie and, uh, and at the time I couldn't I was on tour with a band called Travis
1: I didn't, couldn't see you playing with them that's amazing that's very cool
2: yeah I did uh, well, I ended up doing four or five years with them up, uh, from sort of 19, no, 2000 up until 2005 2006
1: on and off oh no kidding
2: and, yeah it was uh, it was good I managed to juggle both gigs for a while I was doing both I was doing Sabbath uh, and Aussie and, and Travis they would never <laughs> tour at the same time so it was perfect for a while um so, uh, so yeah, I had to turn down the gig originally because I was working with, um, was on tour with Travis, and, and you know they said, oh will never mind. And then um, Ozzy had an accident where he fell off his quad bike, and um, and they cancelled the tour for, uh, they postponed it for a year. So when they came to redo the tour, they phoned again, and at that time Travis had just finished a touring cycle, and I was I was free to go. So um, yeah, it worked out great. Well, weirdly, I did a gig, I did a tour in Mexico with Travis last year. Um, where their keyboard player couldn't make it for whatever reason, and uh, I sort of jumped in at the last minute and uh, and did two weeks down in in Mexico, which was cool.
1: Oh, that's very cool. That's a that's a nice underrated British band that uh, does some really good stuff.
2: Yeah, I think I mean fantastic songs. That's the, that what yeah. it all comes down to is yeah. And again, it's one of those one of those bands that um, you know kind of in a very different way to Headspace, but it's it's kind of made up of the some of the parts. It's like the band you know Fran on his own. You know, could can sing and play Travis songs, but it doesn't. It's, it doesn't have the magic of the the whole band unless everybody's there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. You know, they all bring a certain feel and a and a, a style to it that makes it what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I like those guys a lot, so they they always. You know, I've got very fond memories of working with them.
1: You you know, thrown in a band like Travis, and you mentioned Annie Lennox. What's a another sort of out of left field band that you toured with or worked with that someone would be completely shocked that you did?
2: Probably one, well, um, Victoria Beckham is probably one of them. <laughs> there you <I>, go. <laughs> when she when she left the Spice Girls, she did a solo album, and uh, and I I did the all the stuff with her for for about a year. Um, all the TV stuff, and um, we did we didn't tour as such, but we did a few one-off shows here and there. Um, that was pretty. You know, pretty left field I guess from the style that people are maybe more familiar with, with what I do but originally I was a pianist you see a, a sort of classical pianist so the kind of that I think gives you the bedrock of you know being able to be you know to, to play lots of different styles of music so it's kind of and I don't really look at you know I don't really think of myself as a, you know a rock you know just a rock keyboard player I think of myself more you know kind of yeah, I could. You know, I'm quite happy to play a pop gig and to play a, a kind of you know classical piano kind of gig. And I've got a couple of shows with my dad coming up in London where we're doing part of the Steinway um, Festival, where we're just playing two nine foot grand pianos. Um, so we've got four shows with that, and that's you know that's great. I love doing things like that. That's kind of that's maybe something that people wouldn't really expect. I've I worked with a band called Atomic Kitten as well, which is a girl band, a pop band, which was uh, back in oh, crikey nine. End, end of the nineties or early two thousands, which was uh, which was hilarious and one of the most rock and roll tours I think I've ever done you know, <laughs> when it comes to drinking and and all that stuff. It was uh, it was not what you would expect at all, considering they were playing to predominantly ten year old uh, kids in the audience.
1: <laughs> that's great. Well, listen, it always keeps it interesting from what it sounds like. I mean, you're always doing something different.
2: I think it. I think that's what keeps it. You know. In in any job, whatever your your kind of job is, whether you're a builder or whatever, it's like if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you just kind of get bored. And and with you know, music's one of those one of those jobs that if you don't enjoy it, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, it's kind of I, I feel very lucky every day that i kind of wh- whatever it is I'm doing, I'm I'm able to do to to earn a living using some you know using stuff that I'm really into. I've I've been you know practicing and all the all my all the time when i was a kid you know the, my friends are out playing football i was sat there practicing it's kind of it wasn't because i was you know forced into a room by my dad and and beaten if i didn't do four hours of uh of scales practice it was because i wanted to do it and and when you get older you realize that that's you put those years in and um you know if you don't enjoy it you should be doing something else
1: for sure. Uh, well, I mean, you have the new Headspace album, which we want to talk about as well. Um, All That You Fear Is Gone comes out uh, this month, February 26th. And, um, you know, the, the first album was really kind of well-received when you sort of look back on reviews and what people think of the band. Everybody really looks at that album and says it was really something else. Um, and so far, the new, the reviews for the new one have been stellar as well. Was this, when you started the band... Uh, did you look at it as sort of we're going to do a few albums and it's going to be a band that that comes back and does a second album, or or it sort of just sort of happened after because the first one was successful?
2: No, well originally the the band you know when I when I put the band together the the object was that you know some of my my greatest oldest friends are musicians and and, and people that I've played with over the years you know every every tour you end up making one you know one stellar kind of friend I think that that stays with you for for the rest of your life you know and, and these guys I've met on various tours over the years and and I just thought it'd be great to actually have a band where you're in you know you you've got your your friends there as well you know it's, it's kind of killed two birds with one stone and all those guys are such great musicians and we share the same kind of you know sense of humor and um, and I thought well it'd be great let's put a band together and and it wasn't supposed to be you know necessarily a prog band it was just really wanting to get us all together um, and I hired a rehearsal room just to don't come with any predetermined ideas of what we're going to play if it sounds like you know if it ends up sounding like Keen then that's that's the way it's going to sound you know right. um, I think we were kind of kidding ourselves really I think it was always going to end up <laughs> as, a, as a kind of frog band but um, but we didn't kind of have that predetermined idea so it, we, we wrote about eight songs that um, we then ended up putting an EP together in 2007 which was uh we got uh, we did a, uh, three support slots for Aussie on the 2007 tour, um, so we did uh, we put a little EP out for that, and and then when we were chatting about you know what we were going to do and and uh, and the album was kind of the first album was is it, part of a trilogy, but we didn't really come out of the uh, come out by saying that it was kind of that was always the idea in the back of Damien's head as well because he's in charge of all the the lyrics and melodies and stuff and the concept so yeah he'd always he'd he'd started thinking about the second one whilst we were on the first one, so he's already kind of thinking one step ahead so it was always going to be it was always going to be a you know a long a long term thing and um i think it will be you know we'd rather do you know three three albums in ten years that we're absolutely a hundred percent proud of and and you know wouldn't change a thing on uh than uh, you know knock out seven or eight albums in 10 years of which three we're not overly keen on you know i think it's doing that works for some bands but for us it's more about the attention to detail and making it you know so we're happy we demo the whole album before we before we start recording so that's one another thing that takes a lot of time
1: well yeah i wanted to ask you about that because i know you're you're busy you're always on the road and all the other guys have their bands and they're doing things so is a lot of the writing uh, you know, kind of the emailing of, of, of demos back and forth and, you know, that type of stuff for a while.
2: There is, a, there, is there is a lot of that. Uh, to, to start with generally Pete and I will get together and we sort of start on some, on some sort of, you know, back in tracks ideas and, 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 and then once things start taking shape, we then send them over to Damien or, and, or Damien comes over and, and we start sort of, you know, he, he starts getting some melodies together and, and he'll, he'll work on the lyrics, you know, for, for. The whole time until you know it, sometimes the lyrics are changing, you know the day he goes in to record the actual final vocal. so he's you know he's he's very sort of, you know making sure it's all right and the message that he wants is is kind of there. so uh, and then Lee and Adam both kind of get involved as you know as and when required, really. everybody's kind of um everyone's busy, as he said, it's kind of about trying to fit fit the timing together
1: what inspired the new album was it was it something that that happened was it a story or, or just the timing kind of happened what brought you to making this one this time
2: well um, as I was saying the, 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 the kind of concept idea is that this is a this is a trilogy the, the a, a, you know three CDs um We'd, we'd probably get started on the probably not just yet, but we we'll get some live shows out of the way first. But the the first album was more based on the kind of individual and and stories relating to this individual, whether it be the soldier or the girl on the front. Um, this is more about the the kind of focused on the on the group and the kind of natural need for humans to group and animals to group. Um, but ultimately, the, the the that group can't control the individual. So the the stories all the way through a kind of using using that as a basis Um, for example uh, the science within us is kind of, you know, you could pull in uh, the kind of pharmaceutical companies as as the kind of big group and and governments are the big group trying to control the individuals by telling them what you can and can't do Um, uh, or whether it be religious groups or or whatever, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of reflecting on all these things rather than, you know, we're not preaching uh, our opinions. We we're just sort of c- commenting on all these events, whether it be social events or kind of historical you know, propaganda, whatever. It's kind of that's kind of what we're trying to do with this with this one.
1: Yeah, that well, the science within us is is actually one of my favorite tracks on the album. And it sort of feels it, it it's in the center of the album, but it feels kind of like the centerpiece of the of what you're trying to do there.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's kind of come together. Um, you know how the how the tracks all kind of Linked together, we've had. I mean, I I don't really I don't really have the um, the advantage of being able to listen to it for a first time. You know, that's something when, you know, we've we've been working on these tracks for such a long time, and you know, not in that order necessarily. I mean, the the actual the the plan was very much um, that 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 the album is, you know, Pete especially was very focused on the the order of the tracks. Um, yeah. Uh, for a variety of reasons, one of which is there's a kind of melodic uh, descending pattern between each song. Which would, whichever whichever song uh, it sort of starts in a particular key, it will end up the next piece will be um, I think it's a semitone lower than the original key. So there's a kind of subconscious descending darkness through this album, which is kind of a is a bit more kind of nerdy musicality, but. Uh, I love that. You know, there's all sorts. of, I'll have to check with Pete that that's right, but I'm pretty sure that was what uh, that's what the, his original plan was right from the start. You know, just so there's you know there's all sorts of other bits in there. There's uh, I think it's the end of the science science within us. There's some kind of uh, you know kind of cool sort of Morse code type guitar chugging, which is uh, which is quite cool. I have to leave that for people to see if they can work out what we're trying to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's those are some cool sort of what they call Easter eggs, right, that you put in there. Uh, exactly,
2: yeah. I think Pete will probably kill me for even saying about it because he, he prefers those things to be just kind of, you know, more like in-house jokes. But... Uh, you know.
1: Well, that's cool. I've never heard that before. Ending a song in in one key so that the next one starts another key—that is awesome. That is absolutely the definition of a prog album, for sure.
2: I think so. If you can't do, I mean, you know, I could tell my wife that, and she'd be like, "You idiots, what are you doing?" <laughs> you know, but that's kind of, you know, I think that's what. The, the, if you can get away with it, there's there's no better band than uh, than a prog band to get away with things like that. You know that that you can kind of, you know, you can be as pretentious as you like because it's a prog band. That's what's expected
1: absolutely um you know uh, of course you know everybody knows your dad and and the influence probably that comes from from yes and his playing and all of that um what are what are some of the other influences that that you know bright bring you to being able to play with like an ozzy and doing your prog band and you know that kind of stuff
2: well i think the more the more music that i kind of got involved with when i was younger um it kind of gives you the grounding to be able to to kind of jump onto other other gigs, things that you don't necessarily, you know. When I was younger, I did a lot of, I turned down a lot of things because I felt uncomfortable. I wasn't really sure of my sort of boundaries, so I turned a lot of sessions, a lot of recording sessions down with kind of, you know, with people because I felt that it wasn't quite didn't fit with what I felt comfortable with. But what I realised quite early on is that unless you do absolutely everything, you don't really know your boundaries. You don't know how far you can go with with music so i kind of opened up my you know eyes to doing everything as much as as, as i could i'd put you know play with pop bands and jazz bands i mean i love jazz i'm not a, you know i'm not as confident a jazz player as uh, as i'd like to be and but i know my boundaries i'm not going to go and sit in um at the hundred club and, and play jazz standards all night um but, uh, you know, it's, it, all these things give you a grounding where you, where you know what you feel comfortable with. And last night was a classic example, actually. Of um, I met a friend of mine, a producer, Fraser T. Smith, who, incidentally, was the reason that I know Damien. Um, we had a band together back in the day called Geronimo Road, myself, Fraser, and, and Damien. Um, but he's in town. He's a, um, a writer producer now. Um, he wrote uh, Set Fire to the Rain with Adele and some other great. Uh, great tunes with Sam Smith and Seila uh, Green, and so he's out here working. Um, and uh, he invited me to a, a club last night, and you know, one drink led to another, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the corridor with Paloma Faith, um, deciding what songs to play. So I ended up playing a few songs with her last night, uh, which was just the most bizarre thing ever. But that's you know. <laughs> I knew that our chances are I could. Well, I knew most of the people in the room were drunk enough not to notice if I made a mistake. And, and secondly, it's kind of those those situations don't come up very often. That
1: sounds that sounds like a lot of fun, man. That's pretty cool. Really good it stuff. He was
2: hilarious. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I think I played um, uh, Anetta James song. I'd rather go blind and another um, tune I can't remember now. But yeah, those, I mean those, those kind of things are fantastic to be able to just you know have those kind of stories makes you know makes my year it's fantastic
1: how is uh ozzy on tour these days is he is he more mellow is in the stories of old days you know or, or still kind of out there partying what what is that like no,
2: it's all it's all very it's all very kind of calm now it's kind of i think you know he's he's been sober a long time and it's kind of it's most you know it's it has to be calm and it has to be kind of organized because it's a you know it's big business as well it's kind of you know it's not like you know you cancel a show for because he's thrown a tv out the window and you know that costs lots of people lots of money and and (laughs) there's lots of people you know that are that are working and um you know i think that you know those days are those days are kind of you know long long gone really it's, it's just it's more about making sure everyone's health is well and everyone is fit enough you know for the for the tour um, unfortunately with the most recent couple of uh, postponements because he's got sinusitis you know those kind of things are unavoidable if you're you know if you get ill you as a singer you you've got to have time and, and get better you can't yeah. rush it um you know, if I had a cold, I could get through pretty much anything. It's, but you know, I'm just playing keyboard, so it's not. You know, if you're standing up there singing, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to be, be well. So you know, these days it's more about keeping the sort of you know fitness up and running because these these tours and shows are, are long. You know, it's a it's a long run this this uh, this tour, so it's got, everyone's got to be on good on good health.
1: That's good to hear. Uh, lastly, I wanted to know if uh, if you knew anything about the uh, the sort of the the big project that's happening with your dad and uh, John Anderson and Trevor Rabin. Any any secret knowledge you can bestow on us from that?
2: No, all I know is that I remember when my dad told me about it. He just said, "Don't tell anyone." Um, <laughs> and then I said, "And then I said, well, it's a bit late for that because John Anderson has just tweeted it." So uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> so. I I know about as as much as that they've been. Uh, they've been talking about so i haven't actually spoken to my dad for for a while so i must um i must give him a call and, and try and find out what's uh, what's going on but i you know i would i hope i would uh, I'd, I'd hope I'd be able to see some shows that's for sure
1: yeah well the the Prague world uh, is very excited about that one for sure
2: well yeah i think um, he did ask he asked if i was available to do sort of second keys um with him on uh on the shows um but, uh, but unfortunately, it's, it's going to be overlapping with Sabbath, so I'm not uh, I'm not able to do it. Unfortunately, I'd have absolutely jumped to the chance otherwise.
1: Yeah, that have been great. Well, listen, Adam, uh, this was a pleasure, man. I learned a lot of cool stuff that you played with Travis and uh, you know Victoria Beckham, all sorts of great things.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, she's not a name that normally sort of crops up. In fact, I actually I'm um, I mean I, I spent quite a lot, you know, I, over a year, quite a bit of time with her and. Uh, had the the most bizarre. it was you know, twelve years ago, yeah. um, and uh, and when I worked with for her, I had very short blonde, bleached blonde hair, um, and uh, you know, cut to to sort of ten, twelve years later. And I was playing in Boston, and the Spice Girls had, had reunited, and her assistant called me and said, "Oh, you should you should go and see her. You should go go to the gig," and I said, "Oh, she won't remember me. It's ten, twelve years ago, you know." Um, and, and the assistant was quite insistent that I go to the gig and I thought, well, I'll go along and I'll just go and say hello. So I, I got ushered into this room. Uh, bear in mind, two years ago, I've still got very long hair, but i got really long hair and I had a long beard at the time as well. Uh, so it looked kind of a cross between a sort of homeless man and, um, <laughs> and Jesus somewhere along those lines. Um, and I waited in a room with about 38-year-old girls who were in the meet and greet to go and meet uh, Victoria and the girls, feeling very uncomfortable. Um, and eventually I got ushered into this room where the girls were on a little stage and uh, they all s- I got sort of whisked in they turned me around and somebody said oh Adam used to work for Victoria and I looked up at Victoria and she looked at me and said really and then they took a <laughs> photograph and took me out of the room and that was it <laughs> I- you know I it was the most embarrassing thing ever I was kind of you know I thought I was going to be going to a room where we just sort of chat and say hello or whatever else but I was just whisked in like a fan and uh, had a picture and then left
1: oh that's awesome
0: <laughs> it was
2: I've never done anything like that since and I would not I would never do that again if there's, you know, if I go to a gig unless I've actually spoken to who it is I'm going to see there's no right. way I'd go and do the whole meet and greet thing it was just it was so embarrassing
1: that's awesome well listen adam it was a pleasure to talk with you man uh have a great rest of your tour and uh hopefully we'll stay in touch maybe i'll see you on the road
2: all right brilliant thanks Roy. all
1: right man cheers mate bye bye thanks to adam for the interview we're going to close with a track off of all the Fear Is gone this is your life will change for upcoming news and interviews check the park follow us on facebook at the park report on twitter or download the podcast on itunes thanks <laughs>